Welcome to the Rankin Baptist Church Podcast. Please note that all or some of this podcast may have been recorded during our live physical services at Rankin Baptist Church. Therefore, sound quality may be affected in some areas. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Today we'll be continuing with our sermon series of lessons that God wants us to learn from COVID. Now obviously there's been a lot of lessons that we have already learned from COVID and I think for the foreseeable future there will be more lessons that we can continue to learn from COVID. But today we'll be looking at something that has affected the world almost as much as COVID. In fact it's hit almost every single person on earth today and that of course is finances. Now did you know that COVID and the resulting lockdowns that happened because of COVID have cost the world $2 trillion in 2020 alone. That's about 29.45 million, a trillion rand. And that was just in 2020, excluding 2021. If we look at the lost output due to COVID, where we weren't able to manufacture and export and everything else, it has cost the world 412 trillion rand or $28 trillion. Now, that is a massive amount of money. I think we all have dreams of one day even seeing that amount of money. But we might think, okay, these amounts are massive. They affect governments, they affect countries. What does it have to do with us? The thing is, these amounts do affect us. They trickle down from the governments to the companies and eventually from the companies to us because we're at the end of the day the end user. And that's why today is such an important lesson when we look at what COVID has taught us about finances and about the way that we work. Now, I want to ask you a question before we start this morning, and that is, how would you have managed your finances between 2015 and 2019 if you knew that 2020 was coming? How would you have managed your finances in 2015 to 2019 if you knew that COVID was on the horizon and that that was going to appear in 2020? Because I know personally, completely differently. I wouldn't have even recognized the way I was dealing with my finances if I looked back at it now. If I had known that COVID was coming, I would have changed everything about the way that I dealt with money and how I worked with my money. But you see, COVID did teach us valuable things. And that's the nice thing about it. It's obviously not nice that COVID has arrived and we've been stuck with it for a year now. But there are valuable lessons that we can learn from it. And the first lesson that we're going to look at, which is managing our money, is something that we should have learned before COVID even struck. You see, as a country, we measure how wealthy our country is by looking at our GNI, or our gross national income. That's all the money that South Africa generates in a year to give us how much we're allowed spending in and and, right? In 2020, South Africa's GNI was 4.83 trillion rand, which is a lot of taxes and a lot of sales and a lot of money that was generated by the country. So if we look at this, we go, but then how could we not just survive COVID? I mean, we had so much money in 2020. It's over 4 trillion. I mean, I had to Google last night to work out how many zeros are in a trillion. So we had the money. And yet the first thing we did as South Africa when COVID hit our shores was we borrowed 500 billion rand because we had nothing in reserves. We had nothing that could keep our country running. In the same way, privately, few of us were prepared for when COVID actually arrived. 
According to TransUnion, which is the one of the main credit regulators in South Africa, the amount of credit given to South Africa's only on credit cards increased in 2020 by 8.5 percent just on credit cards not student loans home loans anything else to give the total credit line of 251 billion rand to south africans that's how much we as a nation owe banks because of the credit that we've taken out and it may sound like just a lot of random data but it shows something very specific and it's something that COVID exposed when it hit our shores. And that's that South Africa as a country and South Africans as a nation were completely unprepared for anything that upset the financial apple cart. We were not managing our money properly. We had the money, 4.8 trillion rand in a, year, in a year. The money was there, but we weren't managing it properly. And you know, there's a very simple thing that would have allowed us to manage our money properly, to be prepared for COVID. And it's something we've all heard before, and it's something when I said, you're gonna roll your eyes and we're gonna rotate backwards on the earth because it's something so basic, but it's budgeting. Had we budgeted, we would have been able to go through COVID better than how we managed it now. Because our budget literally has to do three simple things for us. The first thing is it should help us see what we're able to spend. We should all live within our means. We should all know exactly what we can spend in a month and we should stick to a budget that tells us what we can spend. Even in the Bible, budgeting was an important thing. In Luke 14 verse 28 to 30 it says, Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you're going to have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and you're not able to finish it, everyone who sees you will ridicule you and say, this person began building but was unable to finish it. So we need to budget. Even in the Bible, they needed to budget. How many times do we drive around and we see a house that's busy undergoing renovations and it takes four years? Because the people didn't budget beforehand. And then the expenses came and they realized we're not prepared for this. And so everything stopped. We need to be able to budget, but also, aside from telling us what we can spend, our budget should tell us how we should spend. Because one of the main things our budget should do is tell us how to, or help us pay off our debts quicker. We should always be trying to get rid of our debt. In South Africa, we have a national debt of $283.19 billion, which is 3.18 trillion rand. Now, if you look at what we earned in South Africa in 2020 as a GNI, that's a lot of money. And yet our debt is quite close to that amount. In fact, our debt is so much that if you look at our GDP, which is the amount that we produce and export in the country, our debt repayments is 70 to 80% of our annual GDP. Which means that for 70 to 80% of the money we get in from exporting things immediately goes back to paying off money that we borrowed already. But our budgets, if we had been budgeting properly, would have been helping us to work off that debt. See, even Proverbs 22 verse 7 says, The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is the slave of the lender. And that is because debt is such a dangerous thing. You see, when we get into debt, we don't really think about the actual implications of interest and compound interest and installments and everything else that goes with it, inflation. We say, we need 10,000 rand because I want that new TV. 
And then we go, okay, I'm gonna go borrow 10,000 Rand because I want that new TV. Even though I don't have the 10,000 Rand, because it will only be a small repayment every month. And we think, you know what, I'm going to borrow 10,000 Rand. If at the end of the day I've had to pay back 11,000 Rand because of admin fees and a little bit of interest here, it's not that bad. But last night I went online and I looked at all the banking calculators and I did a few exercises. If you take a 10,000 Rand loan out over just two years at 7.5% interest, at the end of two years you would have paid back 13,843 Rand which is 3,843 Rand more than if you had the 10,000 Rand instead of going to borrow it. And the problem with that is, let's be honest, 7.5% is not the interest rate that we get with loans in this country. If we look at the more popular types of loans, which is store cards for Mr. Price and Edgar's and all of them, those accounts come with low interest rates of between 21 and 24.5% per year. If you take that same 10,000 Rand loan out over two years on one of those accounts with 24.5% interest, you're going to be paying 16,324 Rand over two years. Which means, aside from the 10,000 Rand that you already didn't have, you now need to find another almost half of that amount of 6,324 Rand to pay back. But we don't think of that because we want the money, we want the new TV. But if we had a proper budget in place, we would have been able to see that debt and help get that debt paid off, get that debt gone. Because then we would have been able to do what the third thing our budget should help us do, and that is to save. Proverbs 21 verse 20 says, In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours all he has. Now saving is something that we all should be doing, and I know everyone's sitting there going, We know, we know, we've heard but it would have been able to help us when COVID arrived. Each of us should be saving for any unexpected scenarios or rainy days, or as Paul said today, winter arrived, cold days. Ideally, these savings should be three to six months of our salary. That if anything bad does happen, we have enough time to get back up on our feet and we won't really struggle too much. And this may sound way easier to say than to do. And there's a simple reason for that because it is easier to say than to do. There's no doubting that. But that is purely because of our attitudes towards saving. Saving should not be the thing left at the end of the month, where if we see we have 100 Rand left in our bank account, we'll throw it into a savings account somewhere and go, oh, I saved, I'm so proud of myself, I can treat myself with cake, which costs 100 Rand. Instead, until we have proper savings in place, our savings should come at the expense of our luxuries. Not our debt, because we still need to service our debt and make sure that's paid off. Not of anything else that we budget for and we know of in a month, but the luxuries that we like to indulge ourselves with. That is where our savings should come from. And for me, that's hard, because I love Burger King. Okay? I kept that place in business. I'm not even going to lie. I should have shares in there by now. They just don't want to give me the certificate. But if I calculate how much I've spent on Burger King in the last two years, it's very embarrassing. I shouldn't be up here speaking to you about this. Then I could have saved a lot of money if I had just sacrificed the luxuries that I didn't need. I read a really good quote the other day by Sophia Amoruso. She says, money looks better in the bank than it does on your feet. Unfortunately, in South Africa, that is not the mindset that we have. 
We believe it's better to have the latest pair of Nike Airs and a credit card of 20,000 Rand to afford them than to not have the new Nike Airs and some savings for if something goes wrong. And that's the attitude that we need to change if we want to continue into the future. But aside from saving for a rainy day, there's other things we also need to do in our budget. We need to save for retirement. There's a lot of people in the church today, we, we're quite a young group today, there's a lot of rather older people, I'm not going to point out people, but there's people who are getting on in years now and they're getting to the retirement age. And at that time you start thinking about what have I actually saved? And the young people sitting here now should already be thinking about what are they saving for retirement? Because the day is going to come where they're going to be the older people, the older generation, the ones going on retirement soon. And if they haven't prepared now, they're not going to have anything by the time they get there. We need to save for long-term goals. The youth are sitting here going, it's going to be years till I have kids. But one day they're going to have kids and those kids are going to need a college fund. And if the youth today put 10 rand a month away for their kids' college fund, by the time their kid wants to go to college, they might actually have enough money to help their kid go to college. But it's a mindset. We don't have that mindset. And there's one reason, especially now during COVID, that we might be battling with that mindset. And that's because to budget and to manage our money correctly, we need to actually be earning money. Because if we're not earning money, we can't budget with our money. And that brings us to our next lesson that COVID teaches us. And that's changes to the way we work and the way that we earn money. Because COVID has drastically changed the entire way that we earn money in South Africa, and not just in South Africa, in the world. If we look at just South Africa, there have been 600,000 jobs lost in the formal sector from COVID and the lockdowns that occurred after COVID or during COVID. If we include the informal sector in this, it's 2 million jobs that have been lost. And if that wasn't enough, we are South African, we like to do things extra, then came the riots that happened in July this year. It's estimated that the riots alone caused an additional 150,000 job losses and cost the economy 50 billion rand. A few weeks after that, fast forward to present day, and South Africa has the highest unemployment rate in the world of 34.4%. And that's excluding the people in South Africa who are able to work and aren't looking for work. If we include that number of people into that figure, it jumps up to about 44.4%, which means that almost half of our working population is unemployed at the moment. And unfortunately, COVID alone is not the sole reason for this. It's also got to do with us. You see, work has changed. Back in the day when all the people who are going on retirement now were our age and entering the job market, work was a very straightforward thing. You worked in one area and you worked in the same area and you used to wake up, go to work, clock in for nine hours a day and then go home. And everything you needed was in your bubble. There were stores and there were schools and everything was there. Then slowly but surely work changed. So instead of working in CBD in Ranfontein and living in Green Hills, people started working in Ravonia but living in Green Hills. And people started to commute for work. They realized, okay, you know what, we can drive two hours in traffic and become unchristian in the traffic and then continue working in that. And then technology came and we managed to carry around 
our entire office in our pocket. So people started working on the road. They didn't need to go into the office anymore. And the whole work landscape changed again. And people adapted to the way that this new way of working. But now, slowly but surely, there has been another shift from what we now consider the normal working environment. And COVID has forced that shift to come more quickly and more prominently than it would have otherwise. The traditional way of going to work and clocking in for nine hours and then going home is now pretty much dead. Instead, the way we've become accustomed to working is now the one that's busy dying. And we're having to become aware of the new normal. The new normal way of working requires us to be more flexible. It requires us to be completely creative, willing to try new things, willing to learn new things, willing to do jobs that we would never have even thought about. Gone are the days where we can work for a company for 30 years and then go on retirement. It doesn't happen very often anymore. And if it does happen, you're very lucky. Instead, today there's many people that work two, three, four endless odd jobs to try and make up a job because the stability of a, a normal job is no longer there. Someone once said that money is the most abundant thing in the world aside from water and air. And I like that saying because there is always a way to make money. Whether you can see the way or not, there is always a way to make money. And in South Africa, this is becoming more and more true because more and more people are having to get side hustles because, because job security is no longer there. People are having to become creative about how they earn their incomes. I mean, I'm going to pick on Pastor again because I like picking on him because he can't do anything because he's down there. <laughs> but Pastor works full-time for the church and yet he has a side hustle of buying and selling speakers and sound equipment. And that's how, if he needs something extra, that's how he makes his money. Personally, I work for people in Canada doing lot of articles on lotteries and stuff like that. And then aside from that, I build websites for people. And that's all separate from our main job. And the new way of working is more of these side hustles and the side things that people are doing. Proof of this, I was looking last night, I belong to a website called Upwork, where freelancers can go and they can connect with people who are looking for work, um, people to work for them, and they can get the jobs in that. Now, Upwork is the biggest freelancing website in the world at the moment, and as of today, it has 18 million registered users which isn't a lot if you consider it's a global company. But it is a lot and it makes you realize how quickly COVID brought in this change in the workplace. When you realize that of that 18 million registered users, 34% of them only registered in March 2020. 34% of those 18 million people had never worked as a freelancer before. Most of them probably didn't even know what freelancing was when they registered. They just heard that they can get a job on the website. And now they're working as successful freelancers, doing any job that comes their way. And they're saying, I don't want to do this, I want to do that, I don't want to do this, I want to do that. And they're making a living for themselves. They have learned to be willing to adapt and to change and to try new things. But you see, it's not enough to just want to adapt. We also have to work hard which is not something we like doing. In South Africa and in other places in the world, like America, there's an attitude of entitlement. I want. And I don't just want, you owe me. Let me make something abundantly clear. We are entitled to nothing. 
The world does not owe us anything. There's someone that said that the world doesn't owe you anything. It was here first. And I love that saying because it's true. You weren't here first. The world was. So why does the world owe you? Even in the Bible, it says, for even when we were with you, we wouldn't give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. We cannot expect handouts and just going through life saying, you owe me. You, the government owes me. I voted for them, therefore they owe me a living. That's not how it works. But it's especially true in the new way that we work. We cannot expect a person who works 18-hour shifts a day to then cover for me because I don't want to work. There's 3.3 million people in South Africa today that are able to work who are not looking for a job at all, in any way. They're just not looking for a way. We cannot support them because they don't want to work. They need to get over their entitlement because the world doesn't owe them. We don't owe them. They need to change their mindset about work. And they need to find a creative way to get work. You know, there's a guy in our area there in Acre Park, and he first showed up about two years ago. And since then, he comes back every few months. Now, what he does is he walks around with his little backpack, and in his backpack, there's two one liters of paint. One's white and one's black. And then he has a whole lot of stencils. And he comes to your gate and he says, for 120 rand, I will paint your house number on the curb outside your house. Because if you live like where Kristen and I live, people go past your house without even blinking. They don't even see it. They never get there the first time. So you know what we went, yes, okay, no, you can paint the house number and it looks very neat and very professional and it's 120 rand. And then every few months, he cycles back to where he's been and he looks at the numbers and he sees, okay, this number's a little bit faded. So then he knocks on the gates and he goes, can I touch up your number again? And then he repaints the number and it looks all fresh and neat and everything else again. And now he's just one example that I could think of who, rather than thinking he's entitled to anything, he was creative about surviving. And he went, what would people maybe want that I can do? And through his hard work and his perseverance, there's many, many houses in our street now that have their number painted neatly on their curb. And he's been able to keep himself going and be able to get a living from doing this. Now, it may sound very harsh for me to say that we're not entitled to anything. I know how it sounds. However, it's biblical. And we all understand that God wants us to work. And it also makes it very easy for us to say, okay, let us change our mindsets. If we realize we're not entitled, let us change our mindsets about the way we work. But you see, at church, it's a catch-22 situation. Because while nobody is entitled to anything, we need to realize the next lesson that COVID teaches us about finances, which is about giving money and sharing with those in need. Because there is a difference between entitlement and being in need. From almost the dawn of what we classify as civilization, there have been people who are living in poverty and people who haven't been able to feed or clothe themselves. This is something that has been happening for years and it's something that's probably not likely to change at any point. In fact, it's actually been getting worse as the years go on. And it's certainly changed during COVID and the lockdowns. Because COVID and the resulting lockdowns unintentionally, I'm sure, targeted all the most vulnerable in society. 
All those people who were just managing to get by and were already living right on the edge didn't know what to do when COVID arrived. And COVID was the straw that broke the camel's back for them. Statistically, they say that about 150 million people around the world have been forced into the category of extremely poor due to the pandemic. Now, to belong to this category, these people are found to be surviving on less than $1.90 a day or 28 rand. And when I say these people, I do sometimes mean an adult and a child that they are supporting for 28 rand. Because I asked in the first service, how much is bread nowadays? A loaf of bread. And I like to pass this answer, too much. For 28 rand, you cannot survive the way that you should be able to. Some of these people come from industries that before COVID were booming, like tourism and hospitality. All those industries that got hit the hardest when COVID arrived. Because a lot of us were lucky enough to be able to return to work after a few months. For them, it took almost a year to only get back to a semblance of work. And the next thing they knew, they were in lockdown again. Now, you see, it's wreaked havoc in these people's lives. And it has made them truly needy. And as a church, we are called to care for the needy and the desperate. Leviticus 23 verse 22 says, When you reap um, the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and for the foreigner residing amongst you, for I am the Lord your God. Now what this means, especially in light of COVID, is that more than ever, we need to be our brother's sister and our, bro um, sister, our brother's keeper and our sister's keeper. Sorry. Each of us, if we're able to, has a responsibility to give to those in need. Even if it's one bag of millimeal a week that we buy, let's be honest, most of us would be able to do that and it wouldn't truly affect us. But that one bag of millimeal that we buy every week can mean the world of difference to someone who hasn't eaten in four days. A simple thing like a food parcel, like the ones that we give out to church, has the ability to change someone's perspective when they're down on their luck. You know, like I say, every week on a Friday we give out food parcels here at church. And every week on a Friday, there's a line of people standing, waiting to receive a food parcel, desperate just for something. Sadly, while we try and get as many as we can, there are times where we run out of food parcels and we don't have enough for everyone. And we have to turn them away. However, for those that do get, they have a very different week than for those who don't. They experience something very different. And it's our giving as a church that allows that to happen. It's what allows us as a church to care for the needy. As Pastor said during the offering, giving our money is not just giving money. It's not just storing up treasures in heaven. It's not just anything like that. But it makes a difference in people's lives. And the nice thing is, when we give to help someone else, we're also allowing God to bless us back. Not that we, that's the reason or the motivation behind our giving, but it is a nice thing. There's a saying that says, life is a boomerang. When you give, it will come back. And it's an amazing thing because it really is true. When we give to the needy, God gives back to us. Maybe not in the way that we expect. It might not be in an extra hundred rand coming into us. I mean, we all expect, okay, God, we gave you 5,000 rand. I'm just waiting for the message from the bank that the 10,000 rands come in. No one knows from where, but we expect it. God must make it happen. Surely he can get into FNB. I mean, really. 
But you see, God does other things for us when we give, and especially when we give to His people in need. And that brings us to the last lesson that we're going to speak about today. And that COVID has taught us how to live by faith in God and have peace in knowing that He's our provider. Because that is one of the things that God gives us about our finances, is peace about our finances. You know, it's very easy to stress about money, especially with COVID, COVID. It's very easy to stress about money. They did a survey in America that said 73% of adults say that the number one source of stress in their life is finances. Can you imagine 73% of people stressing about two rand? It's ridiculous. However, as Christians, we don't need to stress about money. And before you stone me or tell me I'm speaking about fantasies now, all right, it's true. How, but you can ask, how can we not stress about money? How can you do that? What is wrong with you? Is, it, is money just going to fall from the sky? I mean, okay, we're waiting. Can someone turn the fans on? Can make it fly around for us? It doesn't work like that. But the Bible is very clear when, when it comes to God providing for us. It says, consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storm or barn. And yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than the birds? You see, regardless of what's happening around us, whether it be a war or a pandemic or a natural disaster or anything like that, God is our provider. And that doesn't mean he's going to make money fall from the sky for us. We need to understand that. God providing does not mean that suddenly we're going to be walking along and someone's going to have dropped 4,000 rand. It doesn't work like that. But God provides for us in other ways. He gives us creative ideas to see how we can work, to find a new way to gain an income. He gives us a peace about our finances that even when we can't see a way out, we can leave it with him. He never intended for us to be stressed out coffee junkies who are constantly worried about money and running around. He intended for us to trust in him and to work hard to get what we need. So even during COVID, when it seems like the world is falling apart and everything is going the way it shouldn't, we should be learning that we can trust in God to provide for us. You know, I'm someone who's generally very laid back. Don't ask the youth, but generally I am very laid back. And I, I take life as it comes. It's a part of life. What are you going to do? Carry on. But I will admit, when COVID and the lockdown first hit, I was stressed. My job turned around and said, no, they're not going to pay me a salary anymore. And all my side hustles that I had going, I didn't know how COVID was going to affect them and that. I think in that few days, I went grayer than when I married Christy. And that's saying something. Okay? That is how much I was stressing about everything. Because what if we can't pay the bond? What if we can't pay this? What if we can't pay that? And eventually I stopped myself because I have a good way of doing this. I'll be on a tangent somewhere and then I'll stop and I'll go, but why? Why am I stressing about this? Because at the end of the day, this is happening. What can I do about it? And I went, okay, well, God has given me a creative way to make money. I've been working as a freelancer for over five years. So I got in touch with all the clients I've done work for in the past. And I went, do you have anything you need done? And, and, and. and I went, you know what, why must I stress about it? God stresses enough for me. I don't need to stress about it. Because if I'm stressing about it, I'm not focusing on what I'm supposed to be doing. So I'm not going to stress about it. God, you must stress about it for me. And it's amazing to say, during COVID, Christy and I were better off than before COVID because of God's provision. And it wasn't that he gave us money. At no day in COVID did I wake up and my phone had, you have been sent 5,000 rand. And I was like, yes. <laughs> that didn't happen. 
But instead, God gave me ideas of how to make money. God gave me opportunities to make money. And God took that stress away that I could focus on making money rather than focusing about, oh, where am I going? Now she wants this. And now I have to go to Woolworths because the line of checkers is too long. And now, no. So you see, that is something that God does for us that we might not even expect. And yet it's something that is so valuable to us and a lesson that we really should learn of how God provides for us. Worship team, if I can ask you guys to come up so long. Because as we close this morning, the worship team is going to sing a song for us called Provider. Now, I want to invite you this morning, as the worship team sings, I want to invite you up to pray, for prayer this morning. But we're not going to pray that you get 50,000 rand deposited into your bank account accidentally because someone pressed the wrong number. That's not how we want to operate. We're going to pray that God will give you a peace about the stress that you may be feeling about your finances. We're going to pray that God will give you ideas to be creative in how you make your money and interesting ways that you may not have thought of on your own. And we're going to pray that when you have that money coming in, God will show you how to manage that money. Because if we leave it up to ourselves, invariably we might make a mistake. But if we leave it up to God, we can let everything go because God will provide for us. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed today's podcast, remember to share it with people you feel may be encouraged by it as well. Also remember, for more resources, to watch our video sermons, or to find out more about Ramsey Baptist Church, visit us online at www.rbaptchurch.org.